Hello everyone, welcome back. So KC, today we're talking about gun violence and student activisms, and more specifically, your students and the project they completed for your class. My students, yes, I am a proud, proud um, teacher in this moment, bringing students together um, to talk about this really amazing capstone project that they did. Um, and we really, you know, we wanted to do this podcast because so many students don't think of themselves as activists, right? They don't think of themselves as necessarily capable of creating meaningful change or putting on a big event on campus, bringing people together. And we really talk about how that, how that happened. I mean, Jamil, I'm always telling you that not all students are as confident as you are. It's just, you are a special, special individual. And you think that people are confident, capable, all this stuff, but a lot of folks are, you know, they're timid and nervous. Well, I, I always put a lot of faith in students. Students historically have been able to create immense amount of change for our country, for our state, for our communities. So I always do think of students really highly, even if they do start off shy and timid and maybe a little reserved from participating in activism, there always is that potential for them to join a movement, to start their own movement and to spark change in their own meaningful ways. And, you know, some students just arrive to that destination differently. In your student's case, that was through an assignment that they needed to graduate. But in other times, students come together in times of challenge and turmoil uh, that brings them together. So you don't always need to be the face of a movement, the face of a program. You don't have to always be on the mic to contribute meaningfully to a cause. There's so many other ways that shy students, students that are not maybe comfortable all the way with debating or challenging upper higher ups or politicians, there's other ways of enacting change. Yeah, and you know, we've been talking about this too, um, you know, off the mic, Jamil. Student activism and the relationship between a university or college and a, and a community is really different depending on what kind of university it is, right? I mean, we are a school um, in a small state um, that serves 97%, I think, residents of Connecticut. I mean, we are very local. Like our students live here and many of them commute. Um, but they are, you know, they're of this community. They have not moved from across the world or across the country for the most part to go to school here. So when we talk about the relationship between the community and the school, like our students, many of them are born and raised right here in New Haven where our university is. Now that is really different when you're talking about a school where people are brand new to that, to that area. Yes. So that's going to yeah. look really different. And maybe that's something we should talk about in a future episode, too. Well, I think so. I, I really do. Because the relationship is different. You know, you have a different level of comfortability and familiarity with your community when you're born and raised here versus maybe some of the students at our friends up the road. So, Like, I've been here for four years. I'm new. You know, so these students, it was so interesting to me to see how, like, it's humbling for me. Right. Oh, okay. I have a PhD, but you know what? Who is more effective at organizing within the community? Uh, my students, because they are connected. Um, they're from here. They have these, you know, family connections. 
longstanding relationships. And that's really what where change making comes from, where community comes from is is relationships. So in that case, like I'm the newbie, I'm guiding them in some ways, but in other ways, they're certainly um, guiding and informing me. Um, and I think that that's important too for teachers to think about um, because many of us as academics, we take on a new city as a home and our students who, you know, for those of us who are in, in at universities where the students are local, you know, we have a lot to learn from them. Yes, our students are local. Not only are they local coming in, but they're local after graduation. Most of our students stay within state. So what your students were accomplishing is powerful because they're changing a community that they're most likely to live in once they graduate. And they're tackling a tough topic like gun violence, which is a problem all across our nation, but specifically within our home state and talking about how that has impacted their lives growing up in urban centers. Absolutely. All right. So let's just let's just let folks listen on in. Um, it's a great conversation. So enjoy it. So today, Casey, we are talking with your capstone class. We are talking with some of my students today. Yes. How exciting. How exciting. And they did a project on gun violence. Yes. So in the capstone class, so this is seniors in communication, um, some of whom have studied like you did interpersonal professional communication, some who are digital like filmmakers, digital production, and then others who do advertising and promotion. So we have all of these like amazing skill sets. Um, We bring the class together at the end um, and students come up with a social justice project. You know, like they look for a problem where you know, a social justice problem where communication can have an impact and where the, they can take the skills that they've learned and really uh, create a project that contributes to their community. Yes, mine was food insecurities. And yours, I was thinking about this, yours really, I mean, it got interrupted by the pandemic. It was spring 2020. Yes. And, you know, y'all pulled it together, but it was... <laughs> I think we gave y'all a great report on food insecurities at, at CSU. Yeah. Yeah. But really, it's too bad that that did get interrupted. Well, that's Um, okay. I'm glad theirs did not because I heard they had a very successful program. Yes. One of the actually one of the biggest events on campus all semester. I think the second biggest event of the semester on campus. Mm. Well, congratulations to all of you. Mm -hmm. So today we have. So actually, my class was split into two, um, two different projects. One group worked on mental health um, in this group. Uh, worked on on preventing youth gun violence. So we have three of the five group members here with us today. We have Shay Smith, Nakia Brown, and Kayla Light. Welcome to the three of you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. All right. So Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you all here. Okay, so I want to start with you, Shay. So your you know, at the beginning of the semester, everyone comes up with an idea, they pitch their idea to the class, um, and then we sort of hash it out from there. So your idea, your original idea was a different one. And it's the one that sparked this particular project. So can you tell us about, you know, what was the genesis of, of this project? So the original idea was to pair with Valley Street Community Center, um, kind of get in there, be leaders, um, work with the kids, work with the youth, 
um, I wasn't aware that it was opening back up. So when I saw a post on Instagram saying that they needed help, I thought this is a great opportunity for my classmates, for Southern to get involved with New Haven. Um, so that was the original thought was to pair up with the Valley Street Community Center. Yes. And, and so the Valley Street Community Center is very close to our campus. Um, and, you know, Shay, you are from New Haven. Nakaya, you're from New Haven. The two of you are from this area. And both of you have been directly impacted by youth gun violence. Would you talk about how that led you to, um, to create this project? I lost my close friend to gun violence recently. Um, and that was kind of the first interaction that I really had that really hit home for me. So when that happened, I immediately thought like, this is a big problem, you know, and um, it just, it, it continues. So I really wanted us to kind of try to tackle this issue. Um, you know, the youth is a big part of New Haven um, and these innocent kids are, are dying. So I felt like a great way to try to tackle the issue is to first raise awareness because a lot of people don't know what really goes on in New Haven and how much it really affects the youth. So raising awareness was my first um, uh, thought automatically. Um, and I felt like using the senior capstone course was a great opportunity to do this. Yeah. And Nakaya, you've had some experience working directly with youth um, as a mentor, and you've seen how that can make a difference, right? Uh, yes. I worked for I worked for LEAP for two years. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that uh, works closely with the youth in like high poverty neighborhoods around the city of New England. So during my time as a counselor, like I would see how the outside life impacts the children, not only how they react, but their mental state in school. And then it's like they have to return back to it. And it, it plays a big role in their life because they're just kids. So they've been introduced to a lot of things that they don't even understand, but they have to get accustomed to it. And they have to know that like it's a part of their life now. And I feel like it's sad. And then having to deal with it personally, I feel like if I can help prevent it, I would, and I wouldn't hesitate, and I'll do it anytime. Yeah, and Kayla, what was it that had you, you were one of the first to join the project. There were actually some people who came, some people who went during moments of trouble. We'll get into the sort of behind the scenes, um, you know, the difficulties in planning a large project. Um, but there were people who came and went. Kayla, you were there from the start. So what brought you to the project? Um. Honestly, what brought me to the project was that I had recently just had gone through my own experience with gun violence. My um, Last April, my ex-boyfriend was actually um, shot like nine times in Stanford. Um, it was all over the news. He was murdered. Um, and like Shay said, like I've been like around gun violence. But, like this is like where it really like hit home for me like I, I I'm still healing from it like it, mm -hmm. it's hard um and it just I was one of the first people to raise my hand in class to join because I just wanted to make a difference and I wanted to bring awareness to it because I felt like I couldn't really do anything else to prevent what happened so I thought this would be a better way to kind of like honor his life and make a difference with them. So to make sure that this 
doesn't happen. It's not like it doesn't happen again, basically. Mm. I don't want it to happen again at all. So that was my reasoning of joining. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm so glad that you all are here having this conversation with us today uh, because it's, it's such a big and complex problem. It impacts so many people and there's not a single or easy solution. I mean, we, so what ended up happening? Let's just, let's just, let me pause on this and say, initially y'all were thinking like, okay, this community center is opening back up. We're going to go hang out with the kids. We're going to play some games. Michael Tompkins, he was really excited to play some tabletop games with some kids and video games. I'm getting um, flashbacks to Lighthouse. Mm. Used to volunteer for the Lighthouse program like that. Right. So that's what really we, we thought we would, we would um, you know, hopefully uh, develop partnerships with these, the community center to get our college students mentoring. Our using, youth. Yeah, youth in the community. So uh, then it turns out, hey, that the center's not opening until 2022. So hard stop. What happened, Shay? I don't know if you remember this far back. This was probably September, a few months ago. Uh, what happened once we figured that out? How did we sort of pivot the project? So once we heard that, it was kind of like, oh God, what are we going to do now? Um, you know, the team was kind of like, well, now we have to pivot and go a different route. So we started brainstorming in class. We started um, doing a lot of research into this topic, seeing where else we could help and fit in and raise awareness. Um, and actually, one of my other group members, Michael, he came up with this great idea of having an event. And from there, we just took it and ran with it. Meanwhile, I was like, I don't know if you want to have an event. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the stakes are high when you when you host an event. First of all, second of all, there were definitely some like moments with the event where we where I feel like we kind of were like, oh, maybe not. But honestly, like Jamil honestly really helped us. Like, be like, okay, like set on an event. Like he like told us what we had to do, like who to contact. And then when we also got in contact with um Chris Piscitelli, he really kind of like also kept the ball going we're like okay well this is what we're doing this is this is how we're gonna do our project yeah so we, there were a couple moments and we're gonna talk about um phoning a friend i don't know where, where that comes from the game show where you like phone a friend and they help you answer the question yes yes anyway that wants to be a millionaire yeah that one um where none of us is, are millionaires but um jamil you were a key part of this project because a lot of for a little while i was really trying to I don't steer you all away from doing an event to think like, okay, maybe we can do a documentary. Maybe we can do something else, but it like, is an event the thing? Like, is that the thing that's going to make the biggest difference? And I was not sure about that. And, you know, can five people pull off this big thing? Absolutely. Right. So uh, we're in class one day and I honestly, I, I had no idea where, what advice to offer you all. We were at a dead end. Um, and I texted Jamil real quick. Hey, are you around? Can Always we, happy to help. Can we call you? And we FaceTimed him. And then, so what happened in that conversation? Like, you know, you're just, I, what were you even doing when we called you? You had no. I think I was taking a nap. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh. I think I was taking a nap. But it was a good reason to disturb a nap, I think so, myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was excited to hear what the students had in mind in terms of our event. I have lots of experience with events on campus, as you know. Mm -hmm. You know, creating large events, small events for different organizations on campus. 
So it's really about figuring out where they were to get them to where we needed them to be in order to pull off such a large event. Because honestly, it's a few simple skills like, you know, booking the room, who you're going to invite, how many speakers, who's going to be in charge of what. And so I don't think my contribution was huge. It was just helping you all get organized in terms of what needed to happen next. And also the confidence piece. Right. I mean, Nakai, I remember you, um, like your attitude walking out of the classroom that day. You were like, wow. <laughs> like you were like a new person. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know we were stressing a lot because, you know, our grade was on the line. Not, But it wasn't only our grade. It's sure. like it was something we were really passionate about. And we already, like, set our hopes high. So we felt like, you know, we had to, like, settle for less just to get a grade. And then, like, to hear that, get some motivation, take some notes, finally get, like, some structure or some sort of idea of what we wanted to do. It made a big difference because we, we knew we were setting in the right direction. We knew it was something we were capable of doing. And I think that's what that's what was holding us back. We didn't think we were capable of doing it. And we, sell, we were selling ourselves short. Mm. And Kayla, talk to us about, um, you know, so the initial idea was, hey, let's mentor some youth. We know that makes a difference in preventing um, youth gun violence and, and especially like around age 14, 15, um, 13. Uh, but the event ended up being a little different. So Kayla, would you talk to us about, you know, what the event ended up being? And then we're going to actually hear some clips from the event. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, the event really helped big the turnout was like really shocked me because we from the from the get-go we knew we wanted to be we wanted this to be like very impactful because of the fact that we were all very passionate about it so we ended up having so many speakers come thanks to like michael reaching out to a lot of people like a lot of people turned out and there was some like um there was some doubt with um not with the speakers but with, like, students coming, we were very, like, worried that there can, there can be a lot of speakers and not a lot of audience members to listen to what we, what we wanted to say and what they wanted to say. But it ended up, like, for example, like, I reached out to President Joe to come speak, and he didn't really know if he was going to come. And all, out of nowhere, he, like, popped in at the event. And we're like, do you want to speak? Like, <laughs> let's, let's say something if you want. Um, I think we all were just very, very shocked at the turnout because we were not, we were expecting like a small event, but Casey and said we had like the second biggest event on campus. I was shocked. I was not expecting that big of a turnout and it exceeded our And so, so Shay, what was the goal of the event? Who was speaking? Who was the audience? What was the, the purpose, the intention? So, of course, it was to raise awareness. Um, it was also to connect the SDSU community with New Haven. Um, Southern makes up a huge part of New Haven. Um, so just making that connection was really our main goal. We had organizations come speak. We had mothers, uh, parents of victims who lost their life, uh, life to gun violence. Um, so it was really about just here is who 
is available in New Haven who you can go to. Um, and this is also what happened to these victims, you know? So it was, it was a mixture of raising awareness and also it was kind of like an emotional touch side to the event as well. Um, yeah, I think, you know, college students, like, there's a lot of, have y'all heard the term slacktivism? Mm. Where you're like, oh, if you like this, or you reshare this, and then you're like, okay, I did my activism today. Um, I think that there are a lot of students, a lot of people in general who want to make a difference, want to get engaged with the community, and they don't necessarily know how to do it. Yeah, I think, you know, college students have access and resources, during this period of their life that Uh they necessarily won't necessarily have in others. You know, when you go to a university, you're connected with hundreds or not thousands of students around your similar age, having similar interest, tends to be around other faculty that can help shape and provide Uh further resources. You can tap into the resources of your administration to help further social causes like we have been doing for the last couple of decades. Yeah. And, you know, there were a lot, there are also um, a number of different programs on campus from communication to sociology to like uh, folks training to be mental health counselors, social, social workers. workers. And there are placements and internships and all sorts of opportunities um, that, that to connect, to better connect our campus to the community that we live in. And you're right, Shay. I mean, you know, there are folks who listen to this podcast from other universities, from other places not affiliated with the universities. Um, but one thing I'll say about our school um, is that, and it's true, you know, a lot of states have schools that are similar to ours in some way or another, where like 96%, 97% of our students come from Connecticut, and most people stay in Connecticut. Yes. So we really serve this community. It's very different than a place like Yale where people come from outside, they come from around the world to go to school there and then they leave. You know, some people stay, obviously, but that's a very different model for a school. So I think that we have, I mean, any university has a, has a um, responsibility to the community they reside in and the people who work there, the people who they serve um, as an institution of higher education. But I think that, that we have a particularly... Um, strong relationship with our community, but also there's some pretty big gaps that I think, especially as a, as a so-called so- social justice university, um, we can do better. And I think that all three of you, all five of you, really saw that that gap and wanted to help fill it. So how did you all feel? Because I'm curious. Um, it's not every day in a college classroom that you get assigned to do a project around activism, around social change. Did you enjoy this as being a part of your formal education as an assignment? So I did. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know, I'm a senior, so I've had many classes, many communication classes. Um, but this class actually made me get out and do something that I was, like, passionate about, that I found very close to home. So when he assigned this, I was like, this is like my opportunity to do something that, you know, I really care about. So when I saw um, the Ballet Community Center or, you know, all this stuff, I was like, this is, this is a great opportunity. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out, but the event still allowed me to broadcast 
my interest and what I was passionate about. So um, at the end, it was kind of like, this was, this was amazing. Like, um, and I, I personally have never had Casey before. Um, I was actually scared to take his class because I, I thought he was. Yes. Why? So when I thought, I don't know, I thought Casey was mean. Just, just I don't know. I'm so used to having like three professors in communication. So when I, I took KC, I was like, you know, yeah. I don't know what to expect in this class. It's a capstone class. I'm going to write a paper. Like I, my mind was all over the place. But when he assigned this assignment, I was like, wow, this is something that I could do. You know, Casey's uh, a, a great professor. I mean, I had him before. And this was the beginning stages of like my communication degree. It was a fun class, and I haven't had him for a while. But when when I seen him for comp, uh, four fifty, I knew it was gonna be a great class. He always challenges his students to you know do something different, and I felt like that's why I enjoyed this class a lot because it, it challenged me to do something different, come out of my comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. I know if it wasn't for this class, I would never probably host an event on campus. It's, it's just mm-hmm. something I'm not used to. You know, I like to speak on things I'm interested in, but as far as, like, hosting an event, I know I couldn't do that. But, like, with Casey's urge to challenge us, it definitely gave me that push that I needed to do something different, and it had a great outcome. I enjoyed every part of it in the class itself. and it made me interested in the class and want to come to the class and want to engage in the class. Hmm. Well, let's, at this point, I want to I wanna play um, for our listeners some audio from the event. So, um, Shay and Nakaya, you two were the hosts, and I took a couple of clips from your your introductory um, speeches to the crowd. Um, so we're going to listen to those clips now, and then I want to talk to you about, you know, what was the experience of emceeing a large event? You know, you all put a lot of time and effort into into preparation and making sure that you um, were mentally, um, physically prepared, you know, to, to do this. Um, so let's listen to this, and then I want to ask you about your experience. We have people from all different walks of life in this room here today. We have some people who have been deeply affected by the issues of gun violence, and others who have not. In this room here today, we have community members, Southern alum, students, faculty, staff, parents. But although our titles may be different, we all have the ability to help tackle the issue of gun violence. My time as a counselor, I've noticed that the youth is being dragged into the reality of the violence in the city. Lives are being taken, hearts are being shattered, families are being broken. I took on the task to do this project so we can provide SCSU family with the right resources to help prevent gun violence ourselves. Being a university big on social justice, this is a social injustice we can all prevent ourselves. All right, so it's not every day that you emcee an event of this size, bringing in people from the community to talk about um, something that's that's really hard to talk about, um, to have the media there, to have all of those people in the audience. I mean, standing room only in the ballroom. Um, So what was that experience like? You know, if you think about your um, growth as a student, as a person, is this something that that you felt like you could have done before? I mean, 
does this uh, change how you think about what you might do in the future? So for me, let me just say this. I am very shy. What? Um, I am very shy. Um, I spoke to Casey prior to the event um, at the beginning of class, expressing my interest in what I want to do um, after leaving college. So when he gave me this task of emptying the event, I was like, oh, my God, how am I <laughs> going to see an event? Like, like perfect. I, Great. I was like, what? I, I'm so nervous. Like, I was nervous before we even started planning. Like, it was it was crazy. Um, but throughout the process, my team, my team was mm-hmm. very, very helpful. They kept um, giving me words of encouragement, you know. Um, it, they just made me go harder and made me actually want to empty the event. Um, I had a great team. Um, and then getting closer to the event, I felt like I was getting stronger. Like I was capable of doing it. Um, you know, I saw my growth personally. I saw my own growth. Mm. And then just watching the clip from the event and just watching myself on the news, I was like, Shana, what were you scared of? Like you literally killed it. You killed it. So um <laughs> Looking back from the first day thinking of planning the event to after the event, it was like a tremendous growth. Like, it was just crazy. I'm so glad to hear you own that because I think a lot of times, you know, people diminish their own accomplishments. Um, I'm obviously so proud of y'all, but for you to say like, wow, I did that. Yes, it's a big deal. And the more you do it, the more confident and better at it you get. Because mm-hmm. the idea of it is scarier than the actual task itself. Yep, absolutely. How about for you, Nikaya? I just want to say... Oh, go ahead, I'm Kayla. Sorry. I just want to say I am so proud of Nikaya and Shay because they were natural. Mm-hmm. At like, they just were so comfortable, like, speaking. Like, I would have been nervous. And, like, Shay, she memorized her thing in like two days. Mm-hmm. She like read it in class, then two days later, she's like reading it for us. And I was like, with nothing, I was like, you memorized that in like two days? Like, that's insane. Like, you guys did so well. Like, and, like I saw both of you grow because you were both nervous. And I was like, they, they're going to kill this. Like, they have nothing to be nervous. So I was like, do not doubt yourself because you got this. And I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you. I, I definitely, uh, I think I overthought it at first. No, I, I wouldn't say, like, I was scared because, I don't know, I'm always the one that, like, do the talking, like, out of everybody, like, my friend groups and stuff, like, I'll speak up first, but I definitely was scared because I didn't know, like, what type of crowd we were walking into. I knew that mm-hmm. this was, like, a serious matter, and I knew, like, how much, how many doors this can open for us. So having that little pressure, it did make me nervous. I didn't even memorize, you know, what I was supposed to say. I just was like, you know, if I keep trying to read it off the card, I'm going to mess up. So I just said, forget it. And I just, like, started to talk and it started to come. And I'm like, all right, I got this. But, you know, to actually just be up there having all those faces looking at you, it's, it's a, it felt good because it's definitely not something that I thought I can, I can do. You know, I definitely appreciate everyone in my group. Because we all work together. Mm-hmm. It's not like you anyone had to feel like they, they did it on their own. We all were there to help each other and build off of each other. Yeah, and Nakaya, um, 
one thing that like the care with which you all emceed that event is one thing, um, you know, like what you were talking about, like this is a serious issue and people are coming with a lot of um, trauma, trauma, frustration, yes, sadness, hardships. You know, when gun violence happens to a person, it doesn't just happen to that individual. It happens to their family, mm-hmm. their friends, their loved ones. It takes a toll on entire communities. Yeah. And, you know, actually, Jamil, you didn't plan this, but that's I a know. really good segue to hearing. I have two more clips to, to, to play for us. I'll play one of them right now. Um, this is Marlene Miller Pratt, um, one of the founders, the the main founder of the the New Haven Botanical Garden for Healing, which is also it's very close to that community center that will be opening up um, a beautiful healing space. Um, but let's hear from her now. She talks about that toll. Harry Keyshawn Miller, 20 years old. Hey, stand up here, please. What was it? Walter Marquis Tyrell James Senior. Age. Age 19. People, I'm, this is Pamela J. Jenez, and Pam is also working with me with the Botanical Garden. I am a Southern Connecticut State University alumni, 1985, and it's a pleasure to be back here. My son lost his life in 1998. And you're hearing of 2000, you're hearing of just recently. I go back to 1998 and I still hurt. I still hurt. So I, I don't even know how to comfort the Scott or Nikki or, or anyone else because going back that morning and to say to them that the pain never goes away. A mother's love. And then to lose that child from here, it leaves a void. And so at that time, I threw up and I went to the mayor's office and then looking for a spot to do a botanical garden. I was thinking maybe 50, 60 people, 70 people. And when I went to the police station to get the list, it was 684 names in New Haven alone. And then looking at those names and and looking at the years and the ages while I was accumulating that list, it's on my heart of knowing that this was my city. This is where I grew up and what my city had become. So I was on a mission there for something to remember every child. I didn't want I didn't want a parent to have to go to the cemetery like me and say, We do go to the cemetery, but when you go to the cemetery, you sit in that cemetery, that cemetery reminds you of the day that you had to put on your lap and that you had to lower that casket into the ground. It's not a good feeling. It reminds you of that tragedy that took place. So we had to create something that was going to be beautiful. Something that was going to not just be beautiful for the parents and the families, but to bring awareness to the city. Ooh, that's a speaker there. As yeah. a speaker. Oh, I felt that. I did. So in Connecticut, I'm thinking about how gun violence is the second leading cause of death for children and teens. Mm-hmm. 
disproportionately affecting young black men in Connecticut. Yep. Right. It's happening in our major cities. It's happening in New Haven. It's happening in Hartford. It's happening in my hometown of Bridgeport. And I think about growing up in an inner city and how normalized gun violence feels as mm-hmm. a young person. Right. Knowing that your friends are walking around with guns because that's the lifestyle so many folks in our inner city are having to live. And to think about children, 15, 16, 17, young people, vulnerable people in our inner cities, right, that are losing their lives every day to gun violence. How many mothers, how many fathers, how many brothers are carrying caskets or mourning? And so it's beautiful to think about us as a community coming together and healing. I often think about, because I'm first gen, and this always comes to my mind, how can we re-enter the communities that raised us? Hmm. You know, especially being from Bridgeport, everyone would tell me, you have to get out of the city. You can't be here. You know, once go get your degree, Jamil. Go get a nice job and leave, is what I was always told. But I think about the impact that we have as college students the impact that we now have to have access to this kind of resources that we probably did not grow up with. I know I didn't grow up with this kind of resource. Um, and the impact we could have going back and talking to our, our young teens, telling them the opportunities that we have, things that we see, the dreams that we're living. Because it's often hard for folks that are growing up in these communities to see and believe and even know somebody that are experiencing what we're experiencing and maybe provide a little hope for them to escape gun violence. You know, I didn't be a person with a degree until I got to college that looked like me. And so it's, it's powerful going home to our inner cities and telling our youth that there's another way to live, you know, and being a part of that change. So I really enjoyed that speaker. So Marlene, yes, Marlene is a an educator in our community. So she's like so many people. Like she went to school here. She learned how to be a teacher here. Uh, she lost her son and has been a lifelong activist in his honor in creating these healing spaces. But, you know, one thing we talked a lot about as a group was trauma and, you know, wanting to be mindful of you know, we can't just like, you can't just go up to someone and ask them to like bear their soul and talk about the worst thing that has ever happened to them in their life. You know, that we have to be, take care with people who have experienced trauma, but also we have to talk about this issue and how do we balance that ethically? Um, and how do we also not lay too much on the audience so that they just, people feel re-traumatized and whatever they've experienced, you know? So that question about how much, you know, how do we deal with people's, um, with what they've experienced, but do that in a careful, mindful, thoughtful way towards making a difference and towards healing. Um, do you all remember any of those conversations or how we, you know, came to the decision to invite some mothers to speak? I know, like, I, I, I personally thought inviting the mother to come speak would probably be one of the most impactful ways to get the audience to understand where we were coming from. I, I felt like we needed someone who not only experienced it, but experienced it to like firsthand. Like that's, that's a mother, you know, losing their child. So I feel like that's, that was one person that can relay their feelings and relay a message the best way 
because they've been there for every part of that person's life. So maybe like them experiencing that and sharing their experience can get people to understand that's not a path they would like to walk. I know um, personally when the mother spoke at the event, it, it just, I started crying. Like, and just to look around the room and to just see how everyone felt that pain that they were feeling, you know, it was like, this is why we're having the event. You know, like, it just, the room, it's like the aura in the room was just so, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, it was very touching. I felt like having the mother speak at the beginning really set the tone for the rest of the event. Yeah. Um, like I was, I was crying too when the mothers were speaking because it just like, it, it was so emotional and it like, it just hit home. And I was looking around the audience when both mothers were speaking and the looks on people's faces, it kind of was just like, it felt like they were kind of like, oh, like they're realizing the reality of like what is happening, like what these families are going through. Like they're losing their loved ones. Like they're they're realizing the harsh reality of what gun what gun violence is doing to everyone. Like whether you experience it or not, it's just it's crazy, and like I saw so many people. Like there was like no dry, like dry face, dry eyes in the audience. Like everyone was crying, and it was just like to see, like and seeing people like being like, like whoa, like reacting that way to the mothers was kind of like was honestly kind of like moving in a way because it it really looked like what the mothers were saying and sharing their stories was really impacting them and, and really making them think like. Wow, like I don't want to, I don't want to have to go through this. That's what I think about. I'm thinking about the role of universities and all of this. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about students organizing. And because you assigned them this project, we allowed a space to open up on campus. Right where folks can mourn, folks can be in community, folks can feel a sense of belonging, a sense of kinship. Folks who may not, because, you know, we get folks from all over the state at Southern, Mm -hmm. students from all different walks of life. So students that may have never even experienced gun violence can sit in that space Mm -hmm. and understand its impact to all of us. And I even think about how at Southern we do have a special connection to gun violence. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the Sandy Hook Memorial. Yes, that's true. How that's impacted our university. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just, I mean, gun violence is one of the great, um, I don't know what to call it, problems of our time, tragedies of our time. Um, but yeah, four of the educators who were killed at Sandy Hook went to school here. Um, we're trained here and we do have a memorial on campus. Um, you know, Sandy Hook is what, half hour, 40 minutes from campus? Not even. Yeah. Um, and so that is, you know, that's all really close. And then we've had a bunch of school lockdowns, you know, since you all did the event, you know, the last few weeks of 2021. Um, there have been a number of um, threats. Um, you know, it just continues. It continues on. Um, I hear gunshots in my neighborhood. And I, it just the, the magnitude of the problem, but the ability also for us to, to know that we can make a difference. Because I think when we really get into trouble is when we think that nothing we do matters. 
in that case. And, and so I want to play one last clip. This is from Gwendolyn Williams and she, Jamel, uh, she was another like phone a friend moment um, for the, the team where, so she works, she's the director for youth and recreation services for the city of New Haven. And I, in my naivete thought that that meant like basketball rec leagues, you know, like I just was, I'm thinking like youth recreation. I'm thinking like basketball. That's the first thing I'm thinking is basketball. No, they are like a full family services, social services organization. So um, she really breaks down some of the, the, you know, really like poverty issues that lead to, to gun violence, um, but also, you know, creating um, hope and possibility for youth um, in the city. So let's hear from her. Doesn't cost you anything. It is just your time. And you are pouring and investing in a young person who may not have the same thing that you have. They may not have that person giving them positive affirmations every morning. I love you. You're beautiful. You're dope. You're my queen. You're my queen. You're my princess. They may not have anyone in their life that's giving that to them. Instead, they have to wake up every day. And I'm telling you, I'm not giving you a hypothetical. I'm telling you something we've experienced. Because mom and dad weren't there. I need to get up, get my younger siblings fed and off to school. I need to figure out a way to get some money so I can have some food for them when they get home. Keep the lights on. Stop the kids from bullying, not just me, but my siblings, because we don't have all the fancy clothes. I go outside and it's cold, but I only have a sweatshirt to wear because I don't have a coat. I'm struggling in school, but the teacher constantly kicks me out of class because I don't understand what's going on and I start talking and misbehaving. But instead of asking me what's wrong, they accuse me of being bad and rotten with no value and no good. That's the reality. And that is what we're trying to change. You, ma'am, you, sir, are the change agent today in order to change the pattern of a young person. Is it possible? I might be living in a dream world, but guess what? I like living in this world. I truly believe that we can stop all of the gun violence. I believe it. Yes. That is so perfectly said as a way to explain to people that don't grow up in that environment. Mm -hmm. I don't think folks can understand the weight that's on some young people's shoulders. Yep. People that are 12, 13, taking care of their siblings, taking care of themselves, probably taking care of their elders. That's why I always believed in um, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. You know, when a child enters school, and their teacher views them as a bad student, probably doesn't even live in that neighborhood that child lives in, mm -hmm. unaware to the circumstances of this child life, right? Well, label them as a bad child, even probably put them up for suspension without actually going to the root of this child's issue. You know, so many children in our inner cities don't have access to food. Mm -hmm. There's so many problems that lean into gun violence, mm -hmm. that lean into that. Our needs are not being met. Yes, 
Absolutely. And then, you know, then there's addiction and then there's all kinds of things that, that lead kids into not, not having the, that village of support that they need. And really, you know, I think of the event as sort of an invitation to people in the audience to join that village. Yes. Especially with us producing most of the educators mm-hmm. going into our state, right? Like our school of education is huge here. Right. It's a big deal. So for even those students to have access to an event like this, to hear speakers like that, that will better equip them to enter classrooms, Mm -hmm. to understand their students, and think of creative ways of being a part of that solution. Because I even think about, you know, growing up in Bridgeport, um, where are the places that our youth can go and be safe? You know, my parents were growing up, they had like the Boys and Girls Club, they had the YMCAs. Um, So many of those programs are not receiving funding. So many of those programs are closing in cities across America. You know, programs where your parents that work throughout the night can drop you off during the day so you stay out the streets and stay safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about that often. And how are we as young college students going back to whatever little spaces we do have in our hometowns and impacting those spaces? This is a good event. This was a good event, I tell mm-hmm. you. If we had more time, I'd play the full two hours for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, yeah, but, you know, before we let you go, um, Shay and Kayla, um, what were your, like, what advice would you have for students who want to make a difference? You know, whether or not you all thought of yourselves as activists before, you are now. Um, so what advice would you have for students who want to make a difference, but maybe they don't have the, the confidence or the sense that, or, or even where to start? What advice do you have? I'll say the same thing that I told the news. Um, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> like I told Both Channel the 3. News. The news. All right, go I would say go to these organizations. Um, they always need help. Just get out there. Um, put yourself out there. Even if you think that you, you're not helping and making a change, you are. You never know. You just never know. So um, I would definitely say reach out to these organizations. Um, just start finding ways yourself to um, try to make a change. There's multiple opportunities out here that are interested in these young students, especially young students, because, you know, hearing stuff from a peer, it's, it's better you know people don't a lot of kids don't listen to what adults have to say hearing it from somebody who's close in age who um they go to school with who they put in the same team with who you know something like that it means a lot to them yep so i i'm i think there are two big takeaways on what you just said one being the opportunities are out there just go connect with these organizations you know they're folks who are looking for your help And the second piece is to really, you know, and I saw you do this this semester, is to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. So when you have that moment when you're like, oh, my God, what did I just do? Then you then you do it or, you know, that that's sort of, you know, pushing the edge and helping you grow. So if you're like, oh, I'm I'm nervous to call this person or I'm nervous to show up to this event to just pause for a second and then go ahead and do it. Yeah, staying comfortable does not allow for growth. No, it does not. Growth is not comfortable. But I can think of like a thousand ways for students to be impactful. You know, even with the issue of gun violence in America, gun deaths. You know, if you're a student and you're listening to this and you're a political science student, Mm -hmm. 
maybe it's your job to work with legislators, maybe go intern, you know, in Capitol Hill, go talk to politicians and come up with creative issues. If you're Mm -hmm. a comm student, host an event, right? Like if you're in the School of Education, come up with comprehensive plans to deal with students that are being impacted by gun violence in your class, it's your project, right? Um, The CDC for like 20, 25 years were not allowed funding for gun violence research. Mm. We need gun violence research badly. Mm -hmm. They just were allowed funding in 2018. So for everybody that's listening at a university, right, faculty, grad students, undergrad students, we do research. That's one of the most meaningful ways we could actually help is providing folks, nonprofits, government mm-hmm. officials with actual data and numbers. Absolutely. And, you know, Leonard Jihad, um, one of our speakers, he called or no, was it Stacy Spell? Project Longevity. Um, he specifically asked for research. Yes. Like that is what, you know, some folks are looking for people to, to play with kids after school. Some places are looking for that hard data to help them. Um, really get at the root cause of the problem or raise get grants all sorts of reasons yeah especially like if you go to a research institution i'm thinking of uconn that's what we have we have resources yes to do research we have researchers who are trained um and we can make a big difference in creating that uh, i'm thinking of faculty right now too Mm -hmm. faculty should be assigning these kind of projects to students you'd be amazed at what can happen yeah. I mean, that's part of why I wanted to do this podcast was to sort of demystify to show like a behind the scenes for like, how can we, you know, like we didn't solve gun violence, but we also did more than raise awareness because there's a lot of awareness out there for all that we know about all the horrible things happening in the world. Right. We know about most of them, many of them. But beyond that, what are we going to do about it? All right. So, Kayla, what were some of your What advice would you have for young student activists? I would just say, like, if you're passionate about something and you want to make a difference, do it. Like, don't second guess yourself. And if you're scared to do it by yourself, like, find people who have the same, like, beliefs and have the same, and are passionate about the same thing. Like, if it wasn't for Shane and Kaya, like, I don't know what I would have been doing in that class. I don't know what our project would have been. But, we all had the same common pa- passion and wanted to make a difference about this. So just don't be, don't be scared. Like, like Shay said, put yourself out there, get out of your comfort zone because you don't realize how much of a difference you're going to make until you do it. So just be confident in yourself and, and do it. Like host an event. That's, to me, that was a really impactful way to get raise awareness. So do it get through you're gonna get stuck in the mud but Mm -hmm. you're gonna get out and that's a great point (laughs) yeah i mean there were so many times when when y'all were literally stuck in the mud and i don't know if you know this but it keeps me this stuff i act like i'm fine all the time but i'm not i'm not fine this keeps me up at night like you could ask my wife there are like weeks when I'm like, I'm up at night. I can't fall asleep because I'm thinking I'm worried about this. Or when I wake up at like three in the morning and I'm like, Oh no, the event. What about this? What about that? You know, like, can you all pull it off? You know? And obviously I'm pushing you to, you know, outside of your comfort zones, but knowing full well, like that I have of complete confidence in your ability to do it. You know, I'm not pushing you to do something that I don't think you can actually do. But no, this has been keeping me up at night also. 
So I think really maybe that's a pretty important takeaway is like when people say no to you, I mean, we experience setbacks at every point, whether that's getting the brochures printed, inviting people, getting the space. I mean, it was like, no, 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 no. Over and over and over. And we had to keep going. And sometimes you just fail at things. And so, that's and, perfectly Which is fine also fun. Well. You yeah. know, like I told them, <laughs> like the project can fail. It doesn't mean you're going to fail the class. Yes. I have failed um, plenty of events. I have had events where I have put so much. I, I think about there was this black voting program I hosted mm. trying to get the black residents of my residence hall to vote. And I put together this gorgeous table of information. I had this like, I had like this whole TED Talk speech I was ready to give about black voting rights and the rights of college students and organizing. And only like 25 students showed up, 25 black students showed up. And I was so sad because I was like, oh my God, I was preparing for like 70 students, Mm. 80 students, and I only got 25. And then I sat down and I talked to them. And I was giving them my TED Talk, and we started talking, and the conversation expanded larger than voting rights. Mm -hmm. And I got all 25 of them registered to vote with a plan to vote. And it became a healing space. So even though it wasn't the event I expected, it was a really good event. Mm. That's a good takeaway, too, is like, you know, those 25 people needed to be there. Yes. And if you get lost in the, oh, I wanted 75, then you're sort of missing what's actually happening right in front of you. And sometimes smaller events is more intimate. They're just better than an event with 500 people. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that's another great takeaway is to, um, to know that as uh, you know, on your path that you will fail many times. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you're, you will, sometimes you'll exceed your expectations and sometimes you'll fall below them. Um, But it's all a part of the learning process to get you, to where you're going to go and all of it has it makes an impact yes so you can't let no's and quote-unquote failures whatever that means um stop you yes work within your social circles mm-hmm. work within your resources and i guarantee you there is something you can do look at us sounding all inspirational mm-hmm. oh how great starting off season four yes well right. thank y'all so much thank you for being here um Shay, Kayla, Nakaya, stay in touch with us and let us know what you get up to next. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening for another episode. Please tune back for more. Follow us on our social medias. Casey, what's our handle? You can find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. If you're inspired to join the this conversation or other ones, talk to us. That's one way to get involved. We would love to hear your reactions to this episode. Please comment on our Instagram, comment on our social medias, DM us, tell us, will you get more involved in activism or are there other ways in which you have previously? Do you have any questions, any topics you think we should cover? Please send it our way. Clearly we want us to talk to you. Yes, we want to talk to y'all. So please let us know what's popping. At Real Talk, higher ed.